is freaking out this, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. Oh, we're going to do you a minute. It doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! You already got going over there, Mike? Yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm kind of showing my true self. I uh, I can't wait. I'm, I've am i got my numbers Scratch scratched. Yeah, lucky for life. And, and <laughs> the goal here is to get the word life. And so you would go down to Olympia today after work and then sign up for $1,000 a week for the rest of your life. <laughs> Why All do you right. laugh? Would, uh, Why would, would you be laugh? nice. Uh, she laughed. She poo-pooed that. That's a great, that's a great way to go. So Isn't that a great? 50, 52 grand a year for doing nothing? Yeah. Or you can take the big lump sum, which I'm going I to I laugh live. because I don't believe that the odds are in my favor. Well, no, it's probably in a little <laughs> mini Martin Moses Lake right now and not down the street on East Lake where she wasn't very talkative. And I tried to get her to talk, but then so I kept going. But anyways, yeah, wouldn't that be fun? I mean, yeah, I mean a thousand yeah. a week for life and I'm going to live 30 more years. Right, I'm living to 85. Oh, you already have it mapped out. Yes, okay. I am, and yes, I do. And so, I mean, think about the cash and the ideas and the savings and the little kitty. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Lucky for Life. All right, you got you sold me. Sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna get my coin this break. That is Matt Stretch Johnson, From the person that said, "How do these work?" <laughs> Sorry, I'll remember that every time I see you. I'll just smile at Lumenfield. Yes, like, I did. Yeah, all right. Yes, Matt right, Stretch that, Johnson. Yes, that More is Matt Stretch Johnson. Dooley. More Dooley, yes, yeah. because um, Brock is out today and Salk is on vacation. So, Can I ask another personal question about the show? Excuse me. Sure. Is this like, um, all right, so you have a fill-in person to sit here, but is this relaxing or do you feel like you have to do more? Like, I would think Mike Salk would have you do more and more and more, and you're just, it's a job. So... But when you have a fill-in person, do you like, oh, I got to kind of carry the weight and kind of do this? Or is it more relaxing or not with those guys well, I feel gone? Like sometimes there's a learning curve at first, but we've been together all week, and now it's Friday. And like you said, it's, uh, it feels a little more laid back. You said the parents are away. Yeah. So, yeah, we're just, uh, yeah. I feel, I feel, I feel like, like today like feels laid back. One flew over the cuckoo's nest, and, and Brock is Nurse Ratchet, and she's gone. <laughs> He's gone. And I don't know who Mike Salk would be because he hasn't been here all week. And then the, you know— uh, Who's Justin? You know, Jack Nicholson. Okay. Sure. Oh, I like it. I'll take yeah. that. Start, yeah. see, more, this started off good. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good yeah and then we're the nut jobs. We're, yeah. Mancini well, and the rest of them. Speaking of, uh, did you guys see what happened in the ninth inning last night? Uh, second out, Chaz McCormick. It's a ground ball that J.P. Crawford fields on a very nice throw to get to Ty France. And it appears, we got tagged in a tweet, I think Mariner Muse put it up last night, where you can see a, a slow-mo of it. It appears that he pulled the old A-Rod Bronson Arroyo bit from the 2004 ALCS. If you remember, A-Rod tried to slap the ball out of mm-hmm. Bronson Arroyo's hand. He clearly steps one step closer to Ty France and then extends his arm and hits Ty France's arm. Like yeah. he thinks he's going to knock the ball loose. Yeah, it, it's bizarro. I, I think... Um... You know, 58 feet down the line, he lost his mind. I think it's frustration stuff. I tweeted, yeah, because he's a cheater. They're all yeah. cheaters. Houston's a cheater. The town's a cheater. They do have a history. Yeah, he's a cheater. I think I played soccer with a guy that you couldn't get him back. You, you, if, if he lost his mind, you couldn't get him back. And I think he just kind of lost his mind. Yes, it's not a peers. 
He goes, he's running down the line. He knows a crucial time. They're going to lose to Seattle. They need the win just as bad as anyone else. And he goes to poke the ball or poke his arm or poke the glove of Ty France. And Ty France is like, what the hell? Well, and the strange thing is it, it took the ump a minute to call it an out. Not and, a minute. And, I, and I, like, I think he thought Ty France bobbled it. It's like, did you did you not see that? Yeah, in just? real time. Yeah, in real time, it took the ump two and a half minutes. Yeah. You're like, what? Wait, no. All right, out. So I think a lot of us maybe didn't even catch that live because we were trying to figure out why the ump was taking so long to call that an out, and we were impressed with J.P. Crawford's throw. But, yeah, watching the replay, it's, it's very clear. Do you think, uh, Justin, if that was bobbled and they called him safe, that that's obviously reviewable, reviewable because, the guy, sure. because the guy's a cheater? Well, I'm not going to say speak to the actual rule because I'm no, not going to talk about that. But not on I, this yeah, show. If that would have happened, yes. If, if Ty France bobbles that ball and maybe drops it he, and he does the – he hit it with his hand. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that should be a reviewable play. Well, didn't you I'd sit, at least try to review Didn't that. you sit? Weren't you like, what What did I just see? The first, when I saw it live, I had that feeling of why did his glove wobble the way it did? And I was like, oh, maybe he is bobbling it legitimately because of the throw. And it was, a, you know, a tough hop to get right. for a first baseman. Right. But I didn't see the, the hand hit it right away. And then watching the slow-mo replay, I saw more of this before the show. And it gave me that first time I watched it. Not the second. The first time I watched it, gave me that vibe of, you know when you're kind of going by somebody quickly and you put your arm out as like, a, hey, just in case you back into me, I want to make sure that you know I'm here. Yeah. But then the second time I watched it, was like, oh, no, he, st- he took a whole <laughs> step out, yeah. reached his arm around. Yep. This wasn't to protect myself in case he backs into me trying to feel this hop move. This was a straight up, I'm going for the glove with my hand move. Yeah, he's played the game long enough. He know that JP, after the great scoop, is coming. That ball's right on line with France. And I'm just going to mess with the first baseman because I can't believe I, yeah. you know, because shoot. Because he, he robbed me of this, what I That's thought was That's exactly an right. And the, and the was... frustration of that game of being shut down by Kirby the whole time. But also, this is another strike against, or, or a, I would say a check in the column of make the base wider. Just put one of those, like the, the softball base on the outside of the base. So you never have to worry about someone stepping on an ankle or reaching out and actually interfering with something like that. Because what if it wasn't reviewable? And he knew that. And if he made it look close enough to uh, a mistake on Ty's fault that he's safe all of a sudden. Well, also, how does Ty France always end up in these situations? I feel like he's he's always in a situation where he could get hurt. And then, like, I think when you watched the replay, Justin, didn't you say that uh, the hand ended up up in his face? Like, like it it hit him in the face? Yeah, once he hit it with his hand, it pushed Ty France's glove into his face. Leave Ty alone. I was going to say, maybe in 15 (laughs) years, Ty France will just have so many stories. He's like, I'm that guy. I get hit. I mean, he's got so much. He he almost looks like a football player now. He's got so much protection. He looked like a football player when he hit Paris the other day. That's right. And, I mean, that was a collision, and obviously he he went out a couple games. You know, that was brutal. He gets hit by a pitch yesterday or the day before, and then he almost gets hit in the face by his own glove because of this guy going down the line. But when you saw it, it was just like, what What did we just, you know, not many yeah. times, and, and obviously there's just so many cameras and things in sports, but it was just like, what, what just happened? Yeah. And why? I mean, don't you think he just kind of lost his mind? I mean, you just... Well, yeah, because I don't know why you would think you're going to pull that off. So the question for tonight is, do you plunk him? Ooh, do you feed the bear? I don't think so. I know old school baseball fans are going to say, yes, that comes back and that has some baseball justice to it. I just, I wouldn't do it. Old school, maybe only 10 years ago. Uh, old by school. old school, I yeah. mean when I played. Yeah, yeah. So 10, yeah <laughs> five 10, years, years ago. Yeah, not that yeah. long ago. That was, that's, that's how those things were handled. But now I, I'm not playing that game with them. Like, just let them, let them show their colors, let them be that way and let them complain about it. Like I'm. 
So France goes in. to the dugout. You, you win the game. France goes to the dugout. Later, everyone's walking around. Service has got to come up and say, what did he do? What, what, did, what did he do? France knows what he did. Mm-hmm. The pitchers know what he did. Every, so now everyone, so that's a great point. Like, let's say you're up 7-1. You, maybe you kind of come in on him. Okay, maybe not pluck him, but just like, hey, we, we want to know. No, we want you to know that we know that <laughs> you're a dummy <laughs> and a cheater. I, mean, dummy. Know, I just don't see the win in it. I, that's in, in, I, maybe that's God the new school you. baseball is coming he, Is he me. like this all the time? Yeah, yeah. he's the nicest guy. Yeah. yeah. But it's just, it, you it's, are it's, nice. it's true. Like, you won. You beat him. You embarrassed him. Like, that's how that's how low and dumb they made themselves look because yeah. that they were upset. If that's the case, if he was upset because they were getting destroyed by Kirby and they couldn't. And Chas McCormick's been hot lately. Yeah, he's he a baby. Get, he yeah, he's get a baby. Anything. He's like, yeah, yeah. hey, let, let you throw your fit, kid. Yeah. Like, we're not even going to acknowledge yeah. you. Like, cry it out yourself. See, he t- walked me right through it. I'm in. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I would just, yeah, he's a cheater. He just lost his mind. It's bizarre at the pro level. I mean, that to me, that goes into, you know, minor leagues, you know, minor leagues and or college <laughs> or in high school, not at the pro level. That's what was shocking. Like, come on. Yeah. It's not even to have some class sort of conversation. It's like, what? It's Bush League. How yeah. many? But, perfect. It's Bush League. How many times are you grounded out? That's part of the game. Sorry. Mm-hmm. You're hitting 275. These things happen. You're out. Get over it. Yeah, get, get over it. Sit down. <laughs> Sit down. And up comes Castillo to knock you around. There we go. The Rock. We'll see if he decides to take some justice, but I, I kind of doubt that as well. All right. Coming up next, we are going to give you everything you need to know. Uh, we didn't do this in our last round of Need to Know, but I think we may, t- may talk a little Victor Wimbayana and Britney Spears, Matt. Oh. What a mess. Wow. <laughs> I never thought, that, never thought that I would utter them in the sen- same sentence, but uh, there is a story. So we'll talk about that next. This is the Brock and Salk Show on your only home for All-Star Week, Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. The Astros 5-1 in the series opener. George Kirby went six innings, giving up just one run. It was his 14th quality start this season, which leads the American League. A. Eugenio Suarez went three for four with two home runs, and J.P. Crawford added one of his own. Uh, Scott Service spoke about the kind of season J.P. Crawford is having after the game. This is the best version of J.P. Crawford that we've seen, and it's a credit to him. You know, he trained differently this offseason. We encouraged him to do it. Um, and oftentimes you encourage players to do some things differently and they don't buy in. But he did. And he put in the time and it's starting to pay off. He's hitting the ball harder now than I've ever seen him do it on a consistent basis. And we know the quality of bats there. We don't get enough credit. You know, that one at bat he had the night about 10 pitches, it's huge. It just wears the pitcher down. And uh, he may not get the mistake, but the guys behind him maybe get a few more mistakes because of it. So uh, really happy with the way he's playing. It's awesome. Yeah, he made the pitcher work on that. I, I was listening to Gary Hill on that, making the pitcher work in that long at-bat. But maybe the most overlooked Mariner? I mean, we just so want to pick apart Julio's game. And boy, I'd like to see Francis batting average come up 20 points. And I beat up Suarez yesterday, and so he goes for two home runs. But the most consistent and overlooked Mariner on the, on the team might be J.P. Crawford. Yeah, I think the early offensive struggles have kind of made it hard to where we're focusing more on that than on him but he has been a really consistent piece and it is cool to hear how much work he put in at driveline down in Kent this offseason he even bulked up a little and I think that's helped him stay healthier and uh, it's it's been huge for this team uh, tonight it's the, the second thing you need to know, know.
on this show, no, we hit uh, these things in between. That was my bad. I was just going to add that Luis Castillo's on the mound versus Hunter Brown. Hunter nice. Brown, and I've got Hunter Brown statistics to make you feel good a little bit later. Okay. Good tease. Saying we got a chance. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. We got a chance. All right. Uh, Felix Hernandez got All-Star Week started yesterday by raising the flag on top of the Space Needle. Feels good to be back. Feels good to be back here in my hometown. I mean, I love this place. Uh, being here for the All-Star Weekend would be awesome. The king. The king. It's great to have him back. I mean, I think when legends leave and it was crunchy, that's a word I like to use. It was crunchy when he left. I think time heals everything, and that's exactly what's happened. And now he's the centerpiece of this weekend. One of the centerpieces of, you know, that's another thing about this Mariner, the tradition and the folks in the back. I mean, you have Ken Griffey Jr., Edgar Martinez, Felix Hernandez, great ambassadors to show off the club, the stadium, and the city. I think that's a great, great thing to have. And he's up on the Space Needle raising the flag. It's, it's awesome. It's an awesome start to have Felix involved. I agree. And then there's a ton going on this weekend, starting today with Ken Griffey Jr.'s uh, inaugural HBCU Swingman Classic. That's going to be going on at T-Mobile Park tomorrow. It's a double header. If you uh, got tickets, you can go to both events. It's the uh, Futures game at T-Mobile and also the Celebrity Softball All-Star game. And then on Sunday, the MLB draft will be taking place at Lumen Field. So a ton of stuff going on downtown. Justin's going to tell us a little more about that later, but... You, you did give us a, a little tease. He's got promo codes. Man, I do. I have promo codes. If anybody wants to go to the Play Ball Park, we'll get you that as well. Okay. Safe to wait? Safe to wait. Make people wait. Yeah, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the third thing you need to know. You have to keep listening. <laughs> it'll, it'll happen quick, I promise. All right, the Kraken introduced their free agency additions uh, to the media yesterday. We heard from Brian DeMullen, who, uh, the defenseman who came over from Pittsburgh, and Kyler Yamamoto, who is actually a local kid from Spokane that was most recently with the Edmonton Oilers. Um, he spoke yesterday about how cool it is to end up with his hometown team. Uh, it's a funny story. Um, so I grew up actually playing um, in Spokane, and then I played on a travel team actually in Seattle. Um, when I was eight to 11 and ended up buying, I think Seattle metropolitan, um, gear, I think somebody sent it to me. Um, but I always wish that they would get a team and, um, you know, thank goodness they got one. And, you know, now that I'm on the team, it's uh, it's definitely a dream come true. Kind of a strange experience to end up with the hometown team that wasn't a hometown team it, when you were here. Yeah. And this isn't a shot at you or anything, but I love how a regional and all of a sudden it's hometown team right Spokane and then you move to Coeur d'Alene a little bit farther maybe in North Dakota and it's a hometown now it's a great story and, and but he did say he even grew up um, at one point having some like Seattle Metropolitans gear so he awesome. did know the hockey history here well there hasn't been much you know Seattle yeah. Totems my we were a hockey family my mom actually worked for the Totems but you know you're talking nice. early 70s you know and then it, it was the Breakers and then the Thunderbirds and you know, there's nothing like NHL hockey and there's nothing like NHL playoffs and everyone tasted it. And this year, these guys are coming because they want to come. Um, you know, they're going to get paid somewhere, right? I mean, especially the, the free agents. You're going to get your cash somewhere and they decide to come to Seattle. It's just a huge moment. and It's a, it's a statement. I agree. Well, I, I tease this, so we have to get to it. I'm um, so excited you're, for this yeah, you're story. Excited. We're going to go a little TMZ here. Um, <laughs> Britney Spears filed a police report Thursday claiming she was struck by a security guard while trying to get the attention of the number one pick in this year's NBA draft, Victor Wembanyama. 
Spear said she tried tapping him on the shoulder and someone from his security team backhanded her, knocking her glasses off her face. When Banyana was walking into a restaurant at a hotel in Las Vegas and he says he was unaware of what happened, he only knew that a woman had tried to grab him and his security team had pushed her away. Yeah, now I'm not giggling if she actually got backhanded, but a Britney Spears of all people who was the center of the world's attention, not King County or the U.S., but the world's attention, and she's filing a police report about well, and that's kind of what she said. Guy. She said, people try to touch me all the time. Everywhere I go, my security team has never hit anyone in the face. <laughs> yeah. you guys, she was like, I think I'm owed an apology. Um, how, but yeah, just really, what how, a crazy story. How tall do you think Britney Spears is? 5'3". Five, 5'3"? Three. Five, three? I have no idea. Oh, yeah, I have no and idea. when Benyama's like 7'5". Yeah. Well, trying to tap him on the shoulder. So she tried to like climb a ladder or jump <laughs> up and tap him on the shoulder? <laughs> yeah, that's true. How can you tap him on the shoulder? That's a, that's a good call, she's five, four. Justin. So She's 5'4". Five, four. She's so five, four. what is... Is he seven? What is he? Seven, 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 four, seven, five. Okay. And so what his security guy looks like, I can only imagine. (laughs) Right? Monster. Big, big dude. And so how is she, to your point, Justin, weaseling her way in to tap him on the shoulder? And why then? Why? I would think her, I would think Brittany would appreciate, like appreciate the whole thing and maybe back off. And if maybe, anybody understands the celebrity and approaching a celebrity, it's Britney Spears. You don't, that, you don't, you maybe. That's what I'm trying to, to say. It. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Get a hold of his people. Hey, I'm Britney Spears. I'd love to meet him. Right. You don't have any uh, enough cachet that, hey, I'll meet you at the center bar, you know, next to the, uh, the, the poker machine. Sure. Well, she probably you thinks can, I'm Britney Spears. Everyone knows who I am. So I can I just can tap whoever I also want. Fair. <laughs> that doesn't work. Baby. But there was two, there was two stories. She tried to tap him on the shoulder. All Victor women, Yama said, was that a woman tried to grab him? Yes. Yeah. So I, I felt that a woman conflicting. tried to grab me. Yeah. I didn't know it was Britney Spears. She looks way different than she did. He said. Well, yeah. Oh, that's I, a joke. I'm surprised he on, on he was like a baby when her music was out. So <laughs> I, I, think I, I think a lot of people still. Yet. I don't know if he was of, born yet. Maybe not. Yeah. So it was just a woman. <laughs> I, think I have most no people idea. Have still heard of her, but yeah, I'm. <laughs> are I you almost? I, do you? I wouldn't I, be surprised if he didn't recognize her. Do you think the pressure? Are you almost getting? I mean, all you hear about is this young man. I mean, is it too much? Everyone says he's got his, you know, he's just got a head on his shoulders. He'll be fine. But enough already. Just it's one of those, those I thought about it's three weeks before training camp. And it's like, let's go already. Just get him on the court. Get him to uh, Popovich and get him over there. He's like in the news too much. Not for him, but for his own good. You know, or do you sense that? Um, I don't I mean, I think this happens year to year. Like he, I guess he's maybe gotten a little bit of extra hype. He's supposed to be the biggest thing since LeBron James. I mean, yeah. everyone's just hyping him up and talking about him and putting so much on his shoulders. Just like, yeah, poor dude. It's, well, yeah, we, we've had conversations recently with Brock just about how he, how much harder he thinks it's gotten for all young kids these days. Mm-hmm. Like now that social media and every it's just you're under so much more of a microscope. Are you on the new platform? Are you on the new platform? I'm not. I thought we could ask G about that because he's been posting about (laughs) it. Threads? Threads. (laughs) Justin, you haven't started. I signed up uh, just just to make sure that I, I, because I was worried that it was one of those like your username was going to get taken situation, but it's not that. So Mm -hmm. if you were thinking like, oh, I want to make sure I get the same handle. Popular. Don't worry about it. Popular pull tabs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) PPT. Yeah, sure. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, G is a perfect person. 
we got to get out of here so we or get to break so that we can talk to our Mariners insider, Shannon Dreyer. Oh, perfect. Um, who I know you were saying you've known for years now. We want to get her insight on kind of this turn that the Mariners have taken recently and how the atmosphere around the clubhouse may have changed. So we'll talk to her next. This is the Brock and Salk Show on the exclusive home for All-Star Week, Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. All right, it's time to talk to our Mariners insider, Shannon Dreyer. Shannon, welcome. I heard that you have known our fill-in host here, Matt Stretch Johnson, for some time now. (laughs) She laughs. Yes, I think we were absolutely babies when we started out in the industry. (laughs) I had more hair, um, but I think, Shannon, we've known each other at least 20 years, and, and we've never fought. We've always got along. Um, maybe my sarcasm, you've given me a couple looks where it's like, um, Matt, settle down. Matt, Matt, that's enough. But no, we. I think we've known each other at least 20, if not 25 years. It's possible it was 25 years, which is absolutely insane. And yes, we've gotten along, and that's probably uh, due to your absolutely wonderful nature and being able to put up with me, because especially 25 years ago, I was... I'm going to say very opinionated, always right, and very much a handful. (laughs) That's funny because 25 years ago, I was just treading water and trying to get along with people. And 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 I'm not just saying, I said this to Maura off the air, you were very focused from the very beginning and had, you had a task and, and, and just want to congratulate you on where your career is. People are like, come on, stretch this is a bit much. But back in the day, it was a little dog eat dog and you had a path you were on and you were very focused. I'm, I'm so impressed with where things have gone. Okay. That's enough. That's, that's, that's enough. Well, cause... I mean, right back at you. I think we've both done a really good job in living the dream. <laughs> right on. Hey, let's talk about living a dream. Perfect segue because I am still dreaming. I'm still thinking, even though Brock does math yesterday of, hey, you got to get to 90 wins to be a playoff spot, playoff contender and, and to get in the wild card. I don't care what the number is. If you keep catching up with the teams in front of you, L.A. Angels, Toronto, you know the, you know the clubs, Yankees, Boston, and, of course, you're, you're in this massive series with Houston. The way this team is playing, I think anything is possible. You're with the team 24-7. Do you get that feeling that they believe? I mean, I know that's cliche, but to me, it just seems in their realm that they can jump over these other squads. Well, and you go back far enough to remember um, Jay Buhner saying some words we can't say on the radio about the wild card. Mm -hmm. And I woke up this morning and that was just kind of after I have not been looking at the standings for a while. It just didn't seem like a, a good thing to do. And last night I finally did. And it was, oh, you know, maybe there is a better path right now. Because if you do look at the wild card, there are, what, six, seven teams in front of you. You're only four, four and a half out, but it's the six, seven that is the real problem. If you look at the division standings, all of a sudden, after not looking at it for a long time because it was scary, they're only seven out. So you're thinking yeah. the, old, the old Jay Buhner in 95 when why don't we go for the West title? And that was that was the run they went on, that amazing August and, and September. Um, 
I, I, I haven't looked. That's funny. I haven't looked at the West standings in weeks. I just keep looking at the wild card and think it's just it's a possibility if you take care of your own business. Well, I think if you take care of your own business, I think the division is, and I think there's more uncertainty. I feel a little more comfortable with the teams in front of you in the division than I do with when you look at the number of teams and those that you have zero control over and who are doing very good things like Baltimore right now. So, you know, just for reference, a year ago at 86 games, the Mariners were 44 and 42 and 12 games out. They wake up this morning 43 and 44 and seven games out. And I've been kind of focused on the new schedule and, oh, you don't have as many shots at the teams in your own division, which is true. But, you know, perhaps it is playing a little bit more in their favor in division at this point. And you still need to have that belief that you're talking about, Matt. And I think, I think it, you know, it sounds weird to say because it was just so prevalent the last two years, not just you know last year, but the year before when they almost made it, when they had absolutely zero business being there, that belief was so, so strong. You didn't hear as much about it this year when they were struggling. Oh, we did it last year. We can do it again. We almost did it the year before. You didn't hear it as much, but you're starting to feel that confidence, I think, again. And the other realization that I came to when I woke up is the thing that I've been talking about is have they turned the corner? Have they turned the corner? When are they going to turn the corner? And they keep getting to the corner and, ah, no thanks. We're just oh, not quite ready yet. Kind of afraid of the corner. Get it back around the other way. We'll try again in a bit. We keep seeing that. They've got to get over that hurdle. They've got to get over that 500 mark. Uh, but the thing that I kind of realized when I woke up this morning is Kirby and Logan Gilbert are going to keep them in this thing for as long as they possibly can. That pitching is is real. So when you see, uh, you know, some players start to turn things around, uh, when you see J.P. Crawford having the season that he is seeing having, when you start to see some production out of that D.H. spot that you're seeing from Mike Ford right now, you start to feel better about it. They're five and one in the month of July. So if they keep going, uh, I feel that there is a chance that they can chip away at that seven game lead, but we still haven't seen Julio Rodriguez chip in on a consistent basis, and that's got to be the key to him, I think, at this point, along with staying healthy. You cannot take any more hits with that rotation. Yeah, consistency has been the issue for for the offense for some time now, but after hitting that what felt like a real low point in the National Series, um, they've won five of their last six, and it does seem like the offense is contributing more regularly. Have you noticed a difference in the atmosphere around that side of the ball? Well, you certainly get within the games. You know, you see them having fun with the offense again. Um, and I think the biggest thing that you see is I think you do start to see confidence in each other. And I think that's one of the reasons why you're seeing guys lighten up a little bit, not try and do too much and uh, hand the bat at bat off to the next guy. And I think that's why we are seeing, you know, the multiple inning game scoring runs. I think at their best for the majority of the season, they had one inning, usually pretty early. And if they could hang on, they had a shot. Now we're seeing them start to put those runs together. And I think that that's kind of how it's translating. I think, um, and Scott Services talked about this, and he said that they seem to be kind of more on it during the games. They seem to be more focused during games. And I, I think a lot of that comes from what you're talking about, Maura. What What about off the diamond? You, you travel, you're around the team. 
not to compare it to MLS, but when I was around, you know, in hotel rooms, uh, excuse me, hotels, and and just the restaurants and inside the inside the building, you're walking around, you're seeing body language, and body language is such a telling thing. Shannon, have you noticed just on this little trip that after you know, really rock bottom the Washington the Washington series last week, and then a couple great wins versus Tampa and. There's a giddy up in this, you know, besides a little stumble in San Francisco, you can't win every single one of them. But, you know, is there an air? Do you see this confidence flowing outside the smiles, the camaraderie off the off the field? I think that stays uh, mostly the same. And and I think Mm -hmm. for, uh, you know, baseball in this day and age, I think the biggest thing that most of them are trying to do on the road is just get rest. They spend so much time, you know, it's you play every day. And what they put into that physically now and their routines, and it doesn't stop at the field. A lot of guys, you know, take training things back to the hotel room, take, you know, recovery things. Recovery is almost a full-time gig now for a lot of these guys after games. So you don't see them too much. The chatter on the bus has been very, very good, which is, I think, a great sign. Um, Colton Wong is one of those guys for all the you know, ch- uh, you know struggle that he has had. He's one of those guys when you get on a, a getaway day uh, bus in the morning who's, who's got the chatter going and who's got you know the bus going and that kind of thing. That's good. You're not hearing kind of the silent, oh, my gosh, we have to go play another game type thing, and we're really in it right now, and, and that you don't hear that at all. And so along those lines, yeah, they do. But, um, you know, there, there's still – there's a long way to go on this, but you do see, you know, not just on the bus and not just at the hotel, but at the field, this is a group. There's no question. They get along. That hasn't been a part of the problem. You know, there are times when you have, uh, you know, most of the time, you know, usually you kind of have corners in the clubhouse and things like that. We really haven't seen that in the last few years and to their credit through the struggle that they did have early on. and, And actually for the majority of the first half, you didn't see that they're together. They do like each other. And that is a big part of it. And honestly, it's kind of been a hallmark of what they've done the last few years. Well, let's move on to travel because that was a crazy turnaround from San Francisco to Houston. And George Kirby heads out a little early. But talk about George Kirby's performance when you're getting into Houston at an ungodly time. A little bit of rest <laughs> for the team. Head back out and you put up that and the, and the team performs behind him. I mean, it was just a it was a well-rounded win led by George Kirby. Just talk about a, a, a one game, a, a, a one-off, but still, what a what a game with with the lack of sleep and the lack of rest. It really is, and I mean that's why you send the pitcher ahead so that they can kind of establish. And that's what's been so big is they have, you know, these are very young pitchers. They haven't seen a lot in the terms of uh, Major League Baseball and Major League Baseball life and having the pressure of what a Major League Baseball game is as opposed to that in the minors. If you think about it, in the minors, they cater everything to those players. You know, they set up the games for them. They're very structured and what they're allowed to pitch. The standings don't matter. It's all flipped when they get up to the big leagues and you get out on the field and you've got, you know, 20 the other 26 on the roster. Depending on you, you've got an entire organization hanging on what you do. You know, there's hundreds of millions and millions and millions of dollars that are dependent on what they do. Very different. And so to have a George Kirby come up and in just over a year, year, be able to take all of that on while continuing to even better himself. Uh, He's a different pitcher. I don't want to say a different pitcher, but he's uh, much more refined than he was a year ago. And he certainly knows a lot more than he did a year ago. So he knew what the task was. 
in going out there. And it wasn't an outing where he goes out and he's at his absolute sharpest and he has his, you know, lights out stuff. He had good stuff, but he wasn't going to go out and strike out eight last night. But, you know, more importantly, he was able to go six and a third and put up zero after zero. And a couple of innings where he did have trouble, he came back with those quick six inning or six pitch innings. And when you have a team that's tired on the other side, that's what's huge. That is what keeps your defense involved. You know, offense wants to get back out there. They don't want to be standing out there too long. And uh, Kirby was everything that you would want him to be last night, and most importantly, setting that tone at the beginning. And we're seeing that from all the young pitchers, which is pretty remarkable. You know, I don't know what they're doing in Double A right now, but uh, those that come up, it, it's it's almost as if they have already been in the big leagues for you know, half a season, you're not seeing a lot of the kind of the pitfalls and the stumbles that you see early. These guys have been pretty spectacular. And George, you know, certainly is leading the way. And you know, that team, I've said it a bunch of times, but teams have kind of what they look at as their win days. When you have that guy out on the hill where you're coming into the ballpark and you pretty much have that feeling, we got a W tonight because this guy is on the hill. And those are important games to win. The flip side is if you lose them, you feel, you know, kind of terrible. And that can have sometimes that that effect, you know, and that's why it's good that if, you know, you get to another team's number one or their ace or, or take their win day from them, that can have effects that kind of linger a little bit. But uh, you've got a couple with the Mariners right now, and George is certainly that, and we certainly saw that from Logan uh, a couple of days ago, and just kind of the impact that had on the team was very apparent. You know, when they were all in the dugout in the ninth inning, chanting his name to make sure that he got sent back out there. You don't see those things in games. And uh, they're, uh, you know, they've got those young pitchers that are setting that tone right now. And again, that's why it's been a rough road. And I'm not making any promises or guarantees or trying even not to make too many suggestions. But performances like those on a consistent basis are things that can, I think, go a long way. All right. Thank you so much, Shannon. Uh, have uh, fun in the rest of the trip there in Houston. Hopefully the Mariners can pull out a, at least a, a couple more wins. We will look forward to talking to you ahead of the All-Star game next week. Looking forward to it, guys. And good to catch up with you, Matt. You too, Shannon. Oh, maybe I'll turn my mic on. You too, Shannon. Good to hear your voice. Come back. Have a great time at the All-Star game. Have a great experience. Bring back two more wins, and then you'll be allowed to uh, come back into the city. Okay, I'll make sure that happens. (laughs) See you, Shannon. All right, now it's time for a little Blue 88 with Brock Heward. This is Brock and Sog's Blue 88. Blue 88! Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Heward breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Sog. Welcome in, Brock Heward. It's great to see you. Oh, wait, wait. It's great to hear from you, Brock. Yeah, good morning, Stretchy. Hey, buddy. Yeah. How, how many times have we not turned that mic on this morning? How are we, how we doing? That was that was the first time. That was the first oh, time. So, no, yeah, go ahead. You got about <laughs> 10 seconds to take a couple shots because I got to be honest, it's gone pretty smooth without you. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it has. We're winning money That's on great. scratchers. We're eating chocolate. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's been kind of fun, and we I haven't missed you. Hey, listen, okay. what was your biggest takeaway from day one at the Fox Sports Seminar? 
Yeah, this is a pretty neat. This is a pretty neat deal that we get to do every year in our big bosses at the very, very top. And, and they say the same thing: is it's amazing what just two days together and getting everybody together does for culture, does for camaraderie, and certainly does for morale as we get ready to head in the season. And and last night, what they do is the first day, the first day and a half is the NFL guys, and they do their work, and then the next day, day and a half, the college guys all come in. And then we're all together last night for a big festivity and function where they bring in a, a speaker, Roger Goodell, Jerry Jones have been there in the past. And last night was one of the founding fathers of Fox Sports. And this season will be the 30th. I think you will see that quite a bit uh, from a marketing standpoint with my company. But the 30th year of Fox Sports and the big swing uh, uh, that they took stretch 30 years ago to start this thing, Rupert Murdoch hiring David Hill, who was the uh, producer extraordinaire with John Madden, and those guys telling stories, David Hill telling stories. We lost John last year, but David Hill telling stories of the very beginnings of it, the risks they were willing to take, the just the, 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 the people mattered, that it wasn't just you know a, a boring broadcast of a game, but it was actually storytelling and innovation. And David Hill wasn't even a sports guy, and he certainly wasn't an American football guy. But uh, he was a, he kind of reminded me of Pete Carroll. He's a people person. He's a connected person. And he knows talent and he wants that talent to just thrive. And John Madden and David Hill, really the two huge foundational pieces in starting Fox Sports and their football NFL coverage 30 years ago. And, and thankfully still going strong and getting to be around it uh, is a pretty special deal for me. No, that's awesome. And Brock, you know, it seems so simple, but face to face communication. Is what critical. It, it is oh, critical, and it's so easy, and we've gotten away from it. But it, that is such an easy move. But what a great investment that your company made. No question. Hey Brock, who is a familiar name to Pacific Northwest football fans that has this program in a position it's never been in before? Steve Sarkeesian. Steve Sarkeesian down there at the University of Texas. The Big 12 media days are this upcoming week down in Dallas. And it's the final year that Texas and Oklahoma are in the Big 12. And uh, I think that uh, they're going to be treated as well as the Astros get treated when they come to Seattle, uh, especially <laughs> after last night in that punk move that guy tried to make on Ty France. I don't bizarre. know what the heck that was. Yeah, yeah. bizarre. But, yeah, they're going to go Texas and Oklahoma into a lot of locales for the final time into Stillwater and Ames and, and other spots. Not welcome very well. But Steve Sarkeesian is going into this season stretch in a place he's never been, and that is atop the preseason media standings. At Washington, he built the Huskies into a, a competitive, competent 7-8 win team. Went down to USC and obviously fell off the cliff with personal struggles. You know, won a national title at Alabama, been a great coordinator places, uh, and is now at Texas. And at Texas, for the first time, heading into a season, they are the runaway preseason landslide favorites. Uh, the media voted in that, and, and that came out, I think, yesterday, day before. And so he's now, you know, in a spot with expectations, in a spot with talent, and a spot with a roster that in the final year in the Big 12, before they go to the SEC, uh, he's got to take advantage of. There's pressure on him that comes with those kind of expectations. I think we've seen that with our baseball team in town, having World Series expectations and the weight that that can carry. But the Sark in a couple short years has recruited well, paid well, built well, 
and it's got a team uh, preseason wise in a spot he's never had before. And is this a briefly, please, guest? Brief answer. Uh, yeah. is, is this a year that would answer the question of is he a head coach or just a really, yeah. really good coordinator? Yes. Or is it yes. the next couple it's, years? You put it on one no, year. No, I think it is. I think it is this year. When you have this kind of a belief from the outside and the kind of NFL talent that he's developed on the inside and in a conference that's not the SEC, he's got to take advantage of it this season. And it's not a tough wild card question, uh, but you... <laughs> you yeah, yeah, it's a Blue 88 question. You'll like it. You'll like it, I promise. I'm not trying to set you up for failure. Oh, good. You go to okay. the VMAC, first, very first day of training camp. You know, it's less than three weeks now, I've learned this week. Yes. It's less than yep. three weeks. You go to training camp, day number one, and your eyes are on what player? The very first snap. I don't care, offensive. The very first snap, who are you looking at? Jamal Adams. Yeah, he's got to be answer. out there. Great yeah, answer. Yeah, yeah. And now 33 may not be out there. He may be in shorts and a bucket cap, which would be pretty disappointing. But not shocking the way that uh, this offseason and what we've heard this offseason and the timing of his offseason. But man, Stretch, if he is out there, I think that's a huge shot in the arm, an enormous boost for this team, for what they want to do defensively, um, for the innovation that they want to use with him and put him in spots and in ways that they did a little bit more like 2020 than they did 21 and 22. And that's rushing the passer, that's stopping the run, that's being a quasi linebacker. So, if he is out there, there's no question for me. My broad, wide-set eyes will be on number 33. Boy, that's Brock Heward, Blue 88. You can hear it every day at 745. Sometimes Brock's in Seattle, sometimes in L.A. He's really wherever he wants. That's Brock Heward's Blue 88. Hey, Maury, you want to say anything to him about how late the questions came and how late the execution of you just took the day off? You you're I the got awesome. To hear, I got to hear what stretch sounds like when he makes threats. Like there was a phone call. He was yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, really? Ooh. Well, okay. I mean, to we you. have a show to run. You're taking yes, the day off. We have a show yes. to run. And yes, the listeners, on, the, the bar clock. is higher this week because Sulk <laughs> is gone. So the bar is higher. And oh, so we okay. have a show to run. That's all right. Brock's worried Just, about the clock integrity right now. You're yeah. late. Well, take a break. Appreciate Brock. you Just, guys. Yeah. Have a great, have a great show. Love Thanks, you. Brock. Love you. Bye-bye. Yeah. Pot him down. There you go. Yeah. Pot him down. All right. Well, yeah, the one thing that Brock was priding himself on this week without Salk was his clock integrity. Guess what, Maura? We may be messing that up a little bit. Brock's not here, and we're having more fun. (laughs) Nurse Ratchet is down in L.A., and the gang with One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is doing just fine. I think so. I'll I'll quit talking. I think so. I just won $15. Thank you. You did, and I have video of it. Oh, you did? How to scratch a a ticket, (laughs) a scratcher. That means you have got a $50 winner in there, Justin. I thought that we only got one winner, so I thought that meant mine was automatically. Uh, rats. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I'll take the winner back for you, though, Maura. Okay. Uh, I promise I'll give we'll you see. some of the money. All right. Coming up next, uh, Matt's going to share. He was at the 2001 All-Star Game. He's going to share some memories from that. And uh, Justin has some information on this weekend's upcoming All-Star festivities and a promo code to get into the play ballpark. So we'll have that next. Stay tuned. This is the Brock and Salk Show on your only home for All-Star Week, Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app.